What's up, young adults? The young adults of Denver, Colorado. Anybody else as excited as I am for church tonight? Anybody? I love, oh, Henry, I love it. I love you guys, man. I love, love, love my job. I am so grateful that I get to do this. And tonight, I am choosing to believe that God is going to show up in just a special kind of way tonight and uh, do things that no sermon, no matter how well prepared, could ever do or no worship song, no matter how epic, could ever do. And that is save people and change lives. And maybe for some of us, remind us that we are saved already and that tonight we have reason to smile. We have reason to celebrate regardless of what might be going on outside of these walls because I know that, that man, life is hard and life is challenging. And if you disagree with that statement, you're probably seven years old or younger. Life's hard, man, and life is challenging. But as followers of Jesus Christ, our hope is not in this life but rather in something beyond this life, something bigger than this life, that is to say, eternity with God. And that hope right there, and man, it brings about so much new meaning and purpose and weight to the here and now, which is tonight. And tonight, man, you are in the right place in case you've been doubting that at all. I promise you tonight that you're in the right place because there is not a better place to be than the place where you remember that you are a son or a daughter of the creator of everything. That in God's kingdom, we are no longer slaves to fear. Hey, if you're going to clap, commit. If you're going to clap, commit to it. Because we're no longer slaves to fear. You are not an employee of God's who has to meet like a certain quota of good works between now and the time that you die. You don't earn, you don't have to prove anything to anybody, including God, or earn anything. You are 100% free because of the grace of Jesus Christ. That's Romans 8. Verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who know Jesus Christ, which is basically God saying, hey, I don't condemn you. And if I don't condemn you, then nobody can. And that includes you condemning yourself. So be reminded of that tonight. Tonight, that is what we celebrate. Whether you feel it or not, I always want to challenge you guys to, to live by and die by what is true rather than what you feel. We don't celebrate the ups and downs of our emotions. We celebrate what is true, and what is true is grace. And what is true is that grace belongs to you. So welcome to the party, young adults, and welcome to the final night of this series that's been all about grace, that has been so, there's like not a better topic to talk about than grace. Grace is why I'm saved, why you're saved. Grace is why I'm alive and breathing right now. Grace is the only reason that the Broncos remain undefeated right now. Let's say, li li listen to this, because this is a good metaphor right here. Listen to this. Okay, so we all know that the Broncos have flaws. We know that there's a lot of things right now that the Broncos need to work on. We know all the plays that Kubiak should have called moments after the play is over. We know all the receivers that Peyton Manning misses from our 1080 HD screens that we watch from our couches eating pizza. We know that there are a lot of things the Broncos need to get better at, but according to their record, the Broncos are perfect right now. All right? And listen to me, in the kingdom of God, because of grace, your record and my record, we, we're perfect as well. Okay, that's what grace does for me, that God looks at me and he, he sees perfection despite the fact that I'm not. He looks at me and he sees Jesus despite the fact that I'm me. Okay, so that's Hebrews chapter 10. If you're looking for something good to read this week, Hebrews chapter 10, that states, because of the grace of Jesus, 
Your record is perfect. You're undefeated. I'm undefeated. I am spotless and blameless and holy before him, and so are you, despite the fact that you sit in your chair tonight, very much a work in progress. Does that make sense? Because that's Christianity, and it's a very simple concept, but it's very easy to forget because I don't know about you, but I have a 1080 HD view of all the ways that I screw up in my life and all the ways that I fall short and that I'm not worthy of the grace of God But thank God that's not what he sees. And thank God that he's the one who decides reality, not me. And the reality that he has decided is that grace is for anybody who wants it. And so maybe you're here tonight and you just simply need to to be reminded of that, that you got saved. And on that day, he who began a good work in you has not gone anywhere. And he's not about to go anywhere anytime soon. And so that's the party that we celebrate tonight. It has only just begun, and everybody loves a good party, man. You're not in here if you don't like a good party, okay? Jesus loved a good party. Jesus was all about weddings and banquets and reclining at the table, eating dinner with his buddies. Man, I think a lot of times as Christians, we, we somehow get to a place where we believe, especially if we grow up in the church, that um, like God created the world without parties, without sex, without anything that's like really fun and then gave us the law and said, comb your hair, tuck in your shirts and behave. And then somewhere along the road, like Satan snuck in and started introducing all these other little things. But that's not reality. Like sex was God's idea. Anything that is good on this planet is here because of the grace of God. And one of the major themes in the kingdom of heaven is the theme of parties. Parties were God's idea. And we're about to read about that right now in Luke chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, Head straight there. We're going to read tonight in the message version of the Bible, which is a a very easy to understand, which is good for me sometimes, paraphrase, very modern paraphrase of the Bible. And uh, Carl Lentz, he, uh, as Jesse said, he's the lead pastor of Hillsong, New York City, and one of our Red Conference speakers. And one of the things, yeah, yeah, Carl. And one of the things he always says that I love, he says, um, the holiest version of the Bible is the one that you actually pick up and read. And so if that's the message, then by all means, that's the message. Pick it up and read it. So Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 12, to set the scene, Jesus is talking to a bunch of people about how the kingdom of heaven is like a party, and it's going to trigger a response from one of the guests, as you see right there in the first verse. So verse 12, that triggered a response from one of the guests. How fortunate the one who gets to eat dinner in God's kingdom And let me just stop right there and remind us that he's talking about us. How fortunate, you guys, are we that we get to eat dinner in God's kingdom? How fortunate are we that we get to do what we get to do and know what we know? How fortunate are those who get to live their lives in the holy anticipation of what awaits them in eternity? How blessed are the people whose identities are no longer found in their sin, but rather in the one who saved them from that sin? Guys, that's us. How fortunate are we tonight? How fortunate are the ones who get to eat dinner in God's kingdom? And Jesus follows up, right you are, sir, right you are. For there was once a man who threw a great dinner party, and he invited many. And when it was time for dinner, he sent out his servant to the invited guests, saying, come on in, the food's on the table, come on in. The food is on the table, the filet mignon is just off the grill, and you have never had filet mignon 
like this. So get in here, man. You've got to try this stuff. And I've got very, very nice people dressed up in fancy clothes, carrying around expensive trays full of phenomenal finger food and appetizers like crab cakes. Get in here right now. The DJ's got everything set up. We're about to blast the music. And there's plenty of room at the table for you and every single one of your friends and every single one of your family members and all of your coworkers. So please invite. Nobody wants to miss out on this. And guys, really in this parable right here that Jesus is telling you and I are the servants in this parable and we have the best job in the world it's the best job that there is because we already have you have a seat at the table in the kingdom of heaven and you work for the guy who owns that table the guy with the mansion who throws all the best parties who has unlimited wealth and has basically given you the job of going out and sharing that wealth spread the wealth spread the news Invite people to the party, and that's what the servant does. And at first, as we're about to see, but only at first, he gets rejected. Then they all begin to beg off, one after another, making excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of property and need to look it over, so please send my regrets. Just bought a piece of property trying to build a new home. I'm moving right now. You know how hectic moving can be, so next time there's a party, invite me. But as for right now, send my regrets. The next guy, another said, I just bought five teams of oxen. I really need to check them out, so send my regrets. Work is crazy right now, man. Life is crazy, and I've been this guy, and and, um, and with no pride, I admit this to you, that at multiple times in my life, man, I have been this guy. This is the person who every time you ask them, hey, how you doing, they answer, busy or tired. Yeah, man. My impressive to-do list is just insane right now. So much going on in my life, so tired. Surely I can't sneak away from my iPhone or my emails just for one party tonight. So send my regrets as well. And yet another said, I just got married and I need to get home to my wife. Best excuse so far, but still, still an excuse because Essentially, what this guy is saying is, as soon as I get this marriage thing figured out, then I'll have time for God. As soon as I find a job, then as soon as I get past this big life transition in my life, then I'll have time for God. But right now, he's just going to have to take a back seat. So send my regrets as well. The servant went back, and he told the master what had happened. The master was outraged, and he told the servant, quickly, get out into the city streets and the alleys. Collect all who look like they need a square meal and all the misfits, all the homeless and the wretched that you can lay your hands on and bring all of them here to this party. So if they turned it down, then go find the people in the city who know that coming to this party will be the most important thing that they ever get to do. If they turned it down, then go find the person who's not gonna make it through the night unless they have a square meal at my table because those people I know will be at my party and will be at my table. So the servant reported back, Master, I did what you commanded. I went out and I invited everybody that I found and everybody's coming. Everybody's coming in and there's still room. It seems like the more people I invite, the more room there is. The master said, all right, then go to the country roads. Whoever you find, drag them in. I love that. And here's the best line of the night right here. I want my house full. And so if you've ever seen the 90s sitcom, Full House, 
Every time you watch that for the rest of your life, young adult, be reminded of the fact that the name of that TV show lines up directly with the heart of God. And much like Danny Tanner, except in a much less corny, more epic way, God wants his house full. He wants family around the dinner table. He says, like, my table's designed for this. Like, the, the, the servant comes back in and says, Master, I'm inviting all these people, but the table just gets bigger and bigger. And God goes, I know, I designed it that way. Isn't it great? It's a special table. First, I went to Crate and Barrel to find a table like this, and it was way overpriced, although trendy. And then I went to American Furniture Warehouse, much more reasonable, but they didn't have any tables that could fit billions and billions of people. And so in the end, I just decided to make my own, and this table sits billions of people, and the more people that you invite, the more spots it seems like there is, and there's plenty of room. So please keep inviting, because I want my house to be full. And and guys, listen to me. You do not line up more with the heart of God, with the heart of the creator of everything. You do not line up more with his heart than when you are inviting people to the party. That is the ultimate number one way to line up with the heart of God. My my best buddy, Ethan, he says this all the time. He says, okay, if if you think that you have somebody that God has put on your heart that maybe you need to talk to about Jesus or maybe you need to pray with or maybe you need to invite them to church, like, let me save you the time. You don't need to go home and pray about it. You don't need to seek counsel on this or pop open the Bible and see if you can find an answer. Your answer is yes. That's what God is going to say. Your light is green. I promise you. So go for it. Imagine if we were that generation that rather than waiting for an audible voice of God to split the sky in half and tell us what to do, that we just erred on the side of action when it came to talking to people about God and inviting people to church, inviting people to the party or giving to that cause or going and helping out over there or serving over here, like rather than waiting for the literal angel Gabriel to show up in our dreams and give us permission to go and do what the Bible already tells us to do, we can just assume that we have permission right now because the Bible in countless places, including Luke chapter 14 with Jesus right here, gives us the permission to go to go and do, to go and serve, to go and invite. You do not line up more with the heart of God than when you are doing that. We see it in Luke chapter 14. We see it in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, very, very famous part of scripture where the last thing that Jesus says to everybody before he floats back up into heaven is go and make disciples of all nations. Go into the world and make disciples. I heard a pastor say once that a lot of times we treat the Great Commission like the Great Suggestion. And think, maybe I'll do that, maybe I won't, but make no mistake, it's a commission from our king, a commandment to go and make disciples, to go and share the news, to go and invite people to the party. And so, like, that's what you were created for. And so I want to say this, like, if you maybe find yourself in a place tonight where you feel stuck or down or maybe without direction, like, I don't know where to go from here or, or depressed or anxious, then try the great commission out. Give that a shot and see what that does because that is what your purpose is. That's what we are saved for and put on this planet for to fulfill, to go into the world and preach the gospel to anybody who will listen to it. And guys, we cannot be a generation that doesn't take the gospel and run with it. We cannot just be stagnant with the gospel. If we get to the end of our race as a generation and have just kind of held down the fort and been stagnant with the gospel rather than making forward progress. Like, that's a fail for us. 
And there's been times throughout history where groups of people will rise up and try, despite their fears, and, and change things. We see that in the Bible. Small groups of people, like the group of people in this room. Mark says it the same exact way, or Jesus says it in the Gospel of Mark in Mark 16, 15. Go into the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. That two-letter word, go. Go, 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 go and invite. Go and pray for, go and give, go and serve, go and talk to people about Jesus. Because in Denver alone, outside of these walls, there are thousands of young adults just like you and just like me who probably right now maybe feel a little weary or tired or without direction in life or without purpose for their lives and maybe a little down or unwanted or unloved. And those young adults have a place at the party. They just don't know about it because nobody's invited them to it. They have a seat at the table with the rest of us, but they don't know because nobody's told them. There's a God who loves them despite everything that they've done and despite the fact that they feel like they're unlovable. There's a God who has a plan for them and a new purpose and meaning for their lives that makes it worthwhile to get out of bed every morning despite the fact that they think that is the last thing that is possible. They just have no idea because nobody has sat them down and explained it to them. And there's so much more room at the table. Even in this room right here, there is more room for young adults who are looking to be a part of something that is bigger than themselves. I think of the scene in Titanic where they lower the lifeboats that are like half full. And one of the ladies like stops and screams like, what, what are we doing? Like, there's plenty of room for more before this thing goes down. There's 300 more seats in this room alone. And if we fill those, then we'll figure out what's next after that. We'll figure it out. There's room for everybody at the table. And I don't know why, I don't know why, like, we, we get so afraid to go invite people to the table and talk to people about the most important thing that is going on in our own lives. And it's kind of funny because I, I feel it, like, I'm right there with you. We're all in the same boat here feeling the same fears. I was talking to, some, to Connor and some of the other YA staffers yesterday about like, what are the fears that we have? Like, what's the worst thing that's gonna happen if we invite our friends to church? What keeps us from doing that? Like, are we afraid of like the auto-response immediate rejection? Like, hey man, you wanna come to church on Thursday night? Nope. Oh. <laughs> hey, I promise you, it's a lot easier to get on an airplane and cross an ocean to the other side of the world and be bold for Jesus in front of people that you, you, you've never met and probably will never see again. It's another thing entirely Rather than cross an ocean, cross your street and knock on the door across the street or sit down with your best friend or your brother or your sister and talk to them about your faith. That's another thing entirely, but that, that's our job. Like, what are we afraid of? The auto-response no? Are we afraid that we're going to get questions that we just don't know how to respond to? Like, hey, man, want to come to church with me on Thursday night? Oh, sure, and maybe on the way you can explain to me predestination and why a loving God would let bad things happen to good people. Uh... <laughs> Okay, <laughs> forgive me if I can't download the most intricate and complex mysteries of the creator of the universe to you. Maybe you can still come to church despite the fact that I'm human. <laughs> Are we afraid? Like, what about this? You want to come to church with me on Thursday night? Oh, yeah, so you and all your perfect friends can judge me. And I've been there in that situation on both sides of that. 
And if you ever find yourself, just quote our lead pastor, Sean Johnson, who says this all the time, that we're, we're actually just a bunch of messed up people who are doing our best to pursue a perfect God. That's really all we are. Because that sentence alone does so much to rewire a lot of the perspectives that people have of the church from the outside looking in. Oh, actually just a bunch of messed up people doing our best to pursue a perfect God because who wouldn't want to be a part of something like that? Man, I quote Shawnee J all the time on that line. <laughs> quote him, that's good. <laughs> because 99 times out of 10, here's what's going to happen. Hey man, you want to come to church on Thursday? Maybe. Is it weird? No, it's actually kind of cool. Oh, cool. Are there girls? There's literally 400 girls. Can you pick me up? Yes. Done. 90, 90% of the time, man. <laughs> I, uh, but I get it. I get the fears. I was at the gym on Monday, obviously. Kidding, sorry. sorry. Don't clap or cheer for that. Maybe in six months. And I ran into one of my old friends, a guy by the name of Dewey, which is an awesome name. And Dewey is probably one of the friendliest, nicest, best guys that I know, in the best shape, healthiest guy that I know. And we started talking um, about hanging out and working out together and I left that conversation genuinely thinking like, God, thank you for bringing Dewey back into my life so we can chill and he can get me into shape. And, which is fine. And I'm not one to hear the audible voice of God, but there was something like talking to me after that, the Holy Spirit. And um, he just very graciously and gently was like, hey, buddy, I didn't bring Dewey back into your life so that he could get you deadlifting more weight. I think it's fantastic you care as much as you do about the strength of your hamstrings. And I'm not saying don't lift. By all means, get your lift on. Lift some freaking weights. That's good for you. But understand, I brought Dewey back into your life because you're his invitation to the party. That's why he's in your life. Yeah. <laughs> I brought Dewey back into your life because you're his invitation to the party. Because I love him and I want him at my table because there's plenty of room and there's no reason for him not to be there. There's no reason for him not to be in this room, in this building next week at this time. All right? And, and, and I just felt something tell me like, please, please, please do not let your fear of inviting be the reason that Dewey does not get to come to the party. Please do not let that be the reason that Dewey doesn't get to the, come to the party. And so I, I say this to you guys tonight with the same love that I felt the Holy Spirit saying it to me this previous week. And with the urgency as if next Thursday night was the last young adults before Jesus comes back. What if, let, what if next Thursday was the last Thursday before Jesus comes back? Please, please, please do not let your fear of inviting be the reason that somebody in your life doesn't get to come to the party. Doug, please don't let your fear of rejection or looking stupid in front of Dewey be the reason that he doesn't get to come eat dinner in the kingdom of God for eternity. Do not let that fear make that decision for you or dictate that. 
The church exists. This is a quote by C.S. Lewis. I love this. The church exists for nothing else but to draw men and women into Christ, to make them little Christ, which is to say Christians. If they are not doing that, then all the cathedrals, the clergy, the missions, the sermons, even the Bible itself is simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose than that. We have the greatest offer in the world to give to people. The invitation to the most epic party in the history of parties. This is of utmost importance. This is why you're alive and breathing right now and why I'm alive and breathing right now. Jesus says in Matthew chapter five in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world, Christians. You're my lighthouse to a very, very dark world. You're my representative in a lost and dying world, a town. And when I see that word town, like that's what we have in here. It's like a small town. I think of us. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. So Red Rocks Young Adults, you're the light to Denver. So don't hide yourselves from Denver. Shine just ever so more ever so much more brightly to Denver because there are two reasons, if I could just boil it down as simply as possible, two reasons that all of us are saved. Number one, so that we get God in heaven forever. Check, greatest news in the world. Number two, so that we can spend from right now until we take our last breath doing everything that we can, playing our role in sharing this amazing grace of Jesus Christ with the people in our lives. Like, we're alive, we get to live lives, not because we decided to. I didn't decide just to be alive one day 27 years ago. I'm alive because God made that decision. And in this lifetime, we get to experience a lot of wonderful things, a lot of common graces that God gives us, like getting married or starting a family, getting to be a mom, getting to be a dad, getting to listen to music or travel or buy a puppy or surf or snowboard or you fill in the blank, like, Incredible things that make life just all the more sweeter. And that's what they're there for. And they're important. But none of those things are the reason that God continues to gift you with breath every single morning that you wake up. God does not continue to gift us with every single day so that we can get married one day. I'm not saying that's, that's not important. That's very important. But that's not the purpose I hear people say this to me all the time, and I get it, like, man, I hope God just holds off on the rapture just long enough for me to get married and have sex so I can see what it's like. Just one time, God, just once, give me that. And, and I get that. That's real. It's important. But Jesus, that's not why Jesus is waiting to come back. Nor is it for you to get married or for you to get that promotion or for you to get the dream house or for you to get the dream job or start the family. Jesus is patiently waiting to come back because he wants his father's house to be as full as it possibly can. Sole purpose. We have the ultimate job, you guys, and I think one of the reasons it's so hard for us as Christians to invite people to church is because historically Christians don't have the reputation of being the most fun-loving group of people or the, the people who are the most fun to be around or the, the most welcoming group of people. We should be. I mean, who has more to be excited about than a group of people who understand that they get to party with God in the kingdom of God for the rest of forever? Who has more to be excited about than us? But I get it. There's that reputation and it will be there until our generation changes that reputation. And I believe that we can. 
I believe that we will. We have the greatest job in the world with the greatest gift to offer people. And I watched this video yesterday and it made that click for me and I wanna kinda explain it to you through this video, so check this out. And Ben, you guys can come back out. Recording, Lachlan. First, first hearing aid. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is the, the big this moment the big here. Moment. She's gonna hear something. We don't really know what. We're gonna roll this on. I'm gonna push in your head just a little bit. There you go. It's creeping. So now technically your device is on. <laughs> Can you tell? Did you hear it? <laughs> hey, I sound. You're hearing yourself better. Okay, you can cry. That's okay. Hi, Cooper. <gasps> Hi, Cooper. <laughs> Hi, Cooper. <laughs> Hi, baby. I know I look like an elderly munchkin, but do I sound like one now? <laughs> Oh my god, I can hear myself. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. It's okay. Blue. Blue. Orange. Orange. Red. Red. Black. Black. Oh, purple. Purple. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? The <laughs> What is it like? Yeah. <laughs> so different to you. Yeah. <laughs> so clear or does it sound muffled? I, uh, I watched that yesterday in my office like 10 times and, and um, it made my day for obvious reasons. And, um, but in a less obvious way, I watched that and I saw a picture of salvation. And what I mean by that is you've got this image of these incredible people who have been deaf for their entire lives. And then all of a sudden, one morning or one afternoon, they get to hear and they now have sound in their lives for the very first time and your life is not the same after something like that and you, you saw it on their faces and taking that image right there and relating that to someone and I think of myself who spent the first 19 years of my life without any knowledge of the this amazing grace of 
Jesus Christ and the fact that there, there is a God who loved me that much and has this new life for me and a purpose for me and wants better for me than I even want for myself and having no knowledge of that to one evening in Boulder, all of a sudden the light turning on in my head and everything clicking and realizing that there is a God out there, that this whole thing actually is real and that he actually does care and he actually has a plan for me. Like, you're not the same after the Holy Spirit enters you and you accept Christ into your life. And for the first time, it's like going from having a world of black and white to all of a sudden everything is in color for you. And the, the doctors who get to give those cochlear implants, those hearing aids to those people have one of the best jobs in the world, in my opinion. Like to get to go to work every single day, sit at that table, turn that hearing aid on and then say something and then watch in their eyes as they hear something and understand that their life now has sound to it and see that click and then just lose it and start crying and understanding their life will never be the same like that can't get old to get to do that as a doctor a few times a day and and I was thinking no doctor is like scared to offer that kind of gift to somebody no doctor is hesitant about like well I got this this option but no doctor walks up timid with that you walk up understanding that I have one of the best things in the world that I'm about to offer you right now and much like that doctor and much like the servant in Jesus' parable who has the job of going out and sharing the wealth and inviting people to the best party ever, we have the best news in the world for people to hear, you guys. We get scared of people's responses, but it's kind of funny when you think about it from that perspective, the fact that this is, the be this is life-changing news. You're invited to the party, to the dinner table in the kingdom of God, to live with him for the rest of eternity in a world where everything just works. And it could start now for you. That's the, the product, if you will, that we have. I don't know why we're afraid to go and offer it to people. The best news that there is, and there's a lot of things in life that are fun. A lot of things in life that I enjoy, Ben, but there is nothing quite like sitting across a cup of coffee from somebody, doing your best to explain the gospel to them, and then looking at them in their eyes as they, as this Jesus Christ thing finally clicks for the very first time. And the Holy Spirit shows up and changes their life forever. I've gotten to do that a couple times, and nothing compares to that. The greatest, it's the greatest thing to experience. Eternal salvations happening. Eternal destinies being changed in front of you. You have the news, you know more than you think you do. You can explain better than you think you can. And so I'll leave you with this question tonight before we go into worship. The same question that I've already asked with the same urgency. If next Thursday were the last young adults before Jesus came back, who would you talk to this week? Who would you pray for this week? Who would you pray with this week? Who would you invite to church on Sunday? Who would you invite to young adults next Thursday? Who would you finally open your mouth to and talk, talk with them about the most important thing in your life, your faith? Your faith.
and explain to them why your life looks so different than it used to. Who, who is that in your life? Because there's empty chairs at the table in the kingdom of God waiting to be filled with our friends, our moms and our dads and our coworkers and our roommates. So who is it for you? That's my question. For me, it's Dewey. I'm doing that this week. And I just don't want us to take this lightly, guys. I bet you so many things about your life would just start to click if you took the Great Commission as the Great Commission. I feel like when things feel off, there's so many answers that I run to first before I run to the purpose that I'm alive. And so, that's how I want to finish this series. And so, would you guys stand with me right now? Because we're going to worship and we're going to celebrate the fact that If you know Jesus, you have a seat at the table in the kingdom of God, and it's yours for the rest of forever. It's your chair. And our God is a God who knows how to throw a good party. I promise you. Think of the best party you've been to in your life. And I'm not saying it was bad, but it doesn't compare to what is waiting for us on the other side of eternity. Doesn't compare. So whether you feel it or not, I challenge you to worship and to celebrate, to sing, to smile, to have fun tonight because of what's real, not because of what you feel, because of what is true. And what's true is grace because God decides reality and God has decided grace for every single person in this room who wants it. So for these songs, man, let's sing as loud as we can. Whether you have a good voice or not, doesn't matter. I don't, but I'll be backstage singing as loudly as I possibly can, man, because this is real. This is real life. Eternity starts now. If you want to come up to the front, feel free. If you want to sit back down and just pray for people in your life, feel free. If you want to go to one of the corners and pray with friends, feel free. If you want to jump up and down, feel free. If you want to sing as loud as you can, by all means, you guys, welcome to the party. That's what grace is. That's what our lives are defined by. This is the God that we love. This is the reason that we are in this place tonight, and this is why we sing. So join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. Thank you for your amazing, amazing, amazing grace. Thank you that every single person in this room is undefeated in your eyes, God, whether they feel it or not, whether they're perfect or not, God. Thank you that you look at each one of us and you see Jesus Christ, even though we're us tonight. You see your son, you see perfection because of grace. And I pray right now, God, that we would not let it finish and end with grace in our lives. Grace is not an end point. Grace is not the finish line. Grace is what you give us to start the journey towards you. As Chad said last week, grace is what you give us to to start fueling ourselves towards holiness and towards being closer and closer to you, God. So let us use this grace not as a as a as a finish line, but as a starting line, God. And let us leave this place tonight pumped up and excited about being a light to the city of Denver. 
This is a city on a hill in this room, God. This is a small town in this room full of people who love you, full of people who are bright shining lights for your kingdom, God. Teach us this week how to be that and we lift up the people in our lives and I just ask that you give every single one of us, myself included, the courage to open our mouths, the courage to invite people to church, the courage to sit across from our friends and explain to them the gospel because maybe we'll see it click in their eyes for the very first time and that's why we're here. That's why we celebrate, God. The glory is yours, God, and we cannot wait for the dinner in your kingdom. I cannot wait for that filet mignon, Father. God, we give you these songs. We love you so much, and we pray all of this in the beautiful, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Love you guys.